Hey Warriors, welcome to another episode of Warrior Within. And last week we were talking about men of valor and expectations that men have. This week we're actually going to talk about unfaithful. First of all, I want to let you guys know we still have not found a place. We do have somebody who's actually helping us. Um, fortunately, their website's not working correctly for us to be able to see the rentals. But we're also been looking like on Zillow and like apartments.com. So if you guys could keep praying that the right house will appear because we want to be, I would love to find a place that's in the right area that God wants us to be at. So the, the right part of town or the, the a city in the outskirts that he wants us to be a part of. So we get part of that community, get to know the people there because it would be better for us to be in the area that, that is where he wants us to serve than being in an area that's far away from where we want to serve time and to travel and try to impact some way. So, you know, I'm being very specific, but hey, God can do amazing things like that. And then once again, um, I'm sure all of you guys have been paying attention, you know, about Ukraine. I mean, there's a lot of things going on. It's not just Russia attacking Ukraine. We need to pay attention. We need to be uh, on guard and we need to be praying. And praying for the people of Ukraine, um, as much as there's been a lot of war and death going on, it seems like there is intervention by God where the, where the Russians are not able to just take over Ukraine right away. So I'm, I'm praying that other countries will just step in, but at the same time, we got to just pray that the Christians there will stay true. Got to pray for the people that are defending their freedoms being able to have the courage they need to do so. Um, once again, you know, maybe get a group of guys in your area and just pray for that country and then even pray for our country because there is a lot of problems going on in our country that we need God's intervention and we need people to start speaking up against. So regardless, um, that's something that you could pray for this week things and otherwise you know this 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 conversation is going to actually be about unfaithful uh, a lot of times when we think of the word unfaithful the first thing to come across our minds is a dating or marriage being unfaithful that way i'm not coming from that end though it does matter that's not where i'm coming from for this aspect and men of valor one of the other struggles to me you know expectations last week but this week i think is unfaithfulness to god it's an interesting thought to think about if you really do think about that statement. Now, we go through a lot of times when we want to think about unfaithfulness, we always go to the Old Testament. I mean, and it makes sense because Israel, many times throughout Scripture, that's why it's like it's not just one Scripture we could focus on in a lot of ways in this situation. But I would challenge you to basically look up on versus un, unfaith, about unfaithfulness to God and see what kind of pops up so that you can actually go where those chapters are and read about what's going on in there. But you can go all, all sorts of places in the Old Testament. You know, we could think about examples of the judges' time frame where we could talk about going through each of the stories of the judges and how Israel got to where they got it was because they were unfaithful to God and not following his ways and started going into their own thing. And then something happens, the country takes over and then boom, they're enslaved. And then another judge is you know, brought up into 
leadership role and then they gain their freedom and then Israel praises God and is all excited and then suddenly they go right back to not following God boom they get enslaved again and then another judge pops up and it's like this cycle that just keeps going and then if we go into Israel as a kingdom we get to see how from Saul to David to Solomon we get one king and then after that Israel and Judah split up and we get to see unfaithfulness, faithfulness, unfaithfulness, faithfulness, unfaithful, 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 unfaithfulness. And like it's just that type of cycle with all the kings that come through, and you just get to see <coughs> basically up and down, up and down, up and down. And then of course, then you go to the prophets. If you go through there, a lot of times the phrasing of Israel being a harlot is a common theme. So. A lot of times when we think of unfaithfulness, we think of someone who's married cheating on their wife or husband with someone else, you know, and sometimes a harlot is involved. And the idea is that God used a lot of times in the Old Testament examples of Israel being a harlot because he is absolutely 100% faithful to Israel, but Israel basically rejects him. Um, One verse that stood out to me with a similar concept um, is in Psalms. You go Psalm 78 and you go all the way down to verse 56 to 59 is one section. I know it's not everything because we could just go through all the whole thing if we really need to, but this one little spot states, yet they tested and rebelled against the most high God and did not keep his testimonies, but turned away and acted treacherously like their fathers. They twisted like a deceitful bow for they provoked him to anger with their high places. They moved him to jealousy with their idols. When God heard, he was full of wrath, and he utterly rejected Israel. Maybe we can go further, and he says, He forsook, forsook his dwelling in Shiloh, the tent where he dwelt among mankind, delivered his power to, to captivity, his glory to the hand of a foe. He gave his people over to the sword, invented his wrath on his heritage. Fire devoured their young men, and their young women had no marriage song. Their priests fell by the sword, and their widows made no lamentations. Then the Lord awoke as from sleep, like a strong man shouting because of wine. And he put his adversaries adversaries to rout. Sorry, it's a different word, phrasing. He put them to everlasting shame. So a lot of times we can always go back. There's tons of stories we could pick. Like one, you know, I think of is like um, Moses going up on Mount Sinai, getting the Ten Commandments coming down, and Aaron and all them made a golden calf, and they're worshiping it. That's being unfaithful to God. God has already shown them how much he loved them. He took them out of Egypt. And because everything wasn't happening the way like they were expecting, they decided, hey, let's go back to doing what what we what Egyptians did and worship something and and seek it out for basically salvation. And God like you know Moses comes down, drops the tablets, and it's just like God smote those that you know it's just that's the picture. It's just constant. It's, it's just funny because we sit here and we look at today and we go and think about it back then. It's almost like it's not really much different. Just today, it's a different version of the golden calf. You know, today, we get to see a lot more people chase after other type of idols like sports, hobbies, jobs. 
uh, money, power, uh, cell phones, you know, smartphone stuff, uh, involved in other activities, social justice uh, stuff, and, and put their whole hearts into these type of things as idols instead of seeking out God and, and the gospel message and focusing on who he is we have jumped onto these other things because we're the, the main goal is because an unfaithfulness is because we want to feel something we want to feel valued and if you think about this if we were to go back to the idea of man and a woman being married and you being willing to cheat on your wife whether it is looking at other beautiful women compared to your wife in your mind or flirting with someone a co-worker at work because it's more exciting or um literally cheating we always think it's better somewhere else and the reason why we think it's better somewhere else is because those situations give us some form of identity if we feel valued and sometimes in that thinking it's all imaginative it's not real though in some cases like flirting with a co-worker or actually having adult reactions we do feel like that person values us more and the thing is, is because it feeds that sin nature, that lust desire that Jesus warned us about. And the thing is, if you're having issues with your wife, there may be two things going on. One, you're not being the type of man you should be with her. Or two, is because you have those expectations in your head of what you need to, what she needs to be for you. But you're not willing to be for her. So to clarify that type of unfaithfulness, that's where that mindset comes from. Now, if we take that concept and we put in the idea of being unfaithful to God, why is it that we chase after other idols? Why is it that we try to look for happiness in other things but God? Why is it that we think it's better over there than it is where God has me right now? Why is it better to have that high paying job than the low paying job that God keeps trying to get me to go do, but I want the money. See, you're starting to see that connection. There's a, there's a me factor in this whole issue. There is something I want versus what God wants. Because sometimes we think if, and, and this is just the one example, we think if I get that high paying job, I have all the money that I will ever need that I won't have to worry about things. So therefore it would be better for my family to take the high paying job instead of going to this other job in a, in a, in a job that's not going to pay as much. And but at the same time, I think my family would be happier there than the job where I'm at and it's going to pay me lots of money because it's all about the perspective. We think having more money is going to make my family happy. It's going to, my family be a lot safer that we'll have the money we need. 
and I will tell you this, I'm not saying it's bad to have lots of money because like if God blessed me with lots of lots of money, my hope would be I would use that money appropriately, not just for things that maybe my family or my wife and I would need, but also be willing to help other people. That that would be my hope because I know that's a desire that I have. If I had lots of money, I would definitely want to help other people in need. Or someone who is doing very well for their life, but they had a bad situation happen and they, they lost their car and they can't afford getting another one. It'd be awesome to have the money to be able to say, hey, let's go get you a car. It doesn't have to be new, but we just get you a car that you can afford and I'll pay for it. All of it. Like insurance, whatever you need to do for that day. Not insurance, but um, registration, whatever. Let's get it all done. See, the thing is, the way I'm looking at it is people have the wrong perspective of trusting or being, having faith in God. They believe that good things have to happen in your life for that to show that, that there's faithfulness in God. What we reject is that if bad things happen, if, if there's bad things happening and it's like, oh, God's not taking care of me. God's not dealing with, with me. He's not helping me. But a lot of times, as we find in scripture, through hardship is where God molds you to be better prepared for being the type of person he needs you to be for a future situation. So the idea is here is that we see a lot of times people rebel against God. People start doubting God. People start not trusting in his word. They start going against his word. They start following what they think is right. They start feeling what they think is right. And today we are seeing that more often in church spiritualism, especially in a lot of celebrity style type churches. You have to feel God's presence. You have to feel God moving. You have to feel God doing something in your life. And if you don't, you got to work on being more faithful. That, that is the mindset that's getting thrown in these people's minds and hearts that they're starting to live like that. So if something doesn't feel right or doesn't feel Christian-like to them, they think it's wrong. And you know, you know where my mind's going at. I, you know, I have to be a little bit more careful now what I say based on some of the rules on Spotify, unfortunately. But um, the idea is that in Scripture it says certain things are wrong, but because of today's culture, we or Christian culture has become very spiritually feeling ish. So that if it doesn't feel right to me, then it's mo- then it's not Christian. So if someone who disagrees with me and says, well, biblically, it says it's wrong. Well, I don't feel like it's wrong because it doesn't hurt anybody. That's the key word phrasing that I keep hearing. If it doesn't hurt anybody, then it's not wrong. And the thing is, the focus is if it doesn't hurt anybody, then it's wrong. But being unfaithful to God means that you're not being faithful to his truth. 
So if he states something is wrong, then it's wrong. And if you object to that, then you need to talk to God. Because you go read his scripture, it doesn't support your view. Then there's something wrong with you, not God, not Christianity, and not the Bible. Because one of the things what starts happening is that because it's starting to affect your whole world view on your aspect of this one view that you think is absolutely okay because it doesn't quote unquote hurt anybody because that's the phrasing, you know, that, you know, love is love and things just have to be how it is and people are just who they are. And we start, we start redefining the understanding of truth. We start lessening that value of truth because it doesn't so-called fit in 2022. So the thing is, is like 2022, suddenly now certain things in scripture are not as accurate anymore to say that it, that it's necessarily wrong because today it's accepted. So in other words, if today, if it's accepted by the world and the culture, then maybe Christianity needs to catch up. That's what I mean. These are just phrases I hear constantly over and over again from people. Christianity needs to catch up. Christianity is too far behind. Christianity, that's the old way of thinking. That, that was, the, you know, the Bible. The other thing I'm loving too lately is, well, the Bible has been rewritten by people so many times. How can we fully trust that the people who rewrote it all these times were not politically changing words so that they have a reason to fight against something specific? Now, the question is, was that possibly happening? Absolutely. People do manipulate scripture for their own thing. They do manipulate scripture to make people think a certain way. I got to see it. I know what it's like. I understand it. And that's why I don't doubt that. But the thing is, they manipulate the scripture to fit their agenda, their ide ideology, their philosophy, their perspective, their worldview. They didn't change scripture, like wrote it in a different way to do it. Now, I will say in King James Version that King James did change some meaning of certain words or added meaning to some words to endorse some of their religious views that they wanted to have, like immersion. They added also sprinkling as part of baptism when before it was just the word immersed. So literally being dunked under but he did add a definition to the word baptism to also mean sprinkling to support their view of baby baptism and sprinkling. So that is something that has been done. But the ones I am more concerned about are the newer translations who downplay wordage to fit today's word. So like the word love doesn't necessarily mean one meaning. And a lot of times when we see word love, we think of just one idea of love. But in like King James Version, they use the word charity. They use the word love. They have, the, you know, they use the five different versions of love, five definitions, you know, brotherly love. That's, that's kind of stuff they used even in King James Version. But there are some versions today that have now taken the word uh, maybe charity out and put the word love there now. So now the word love is being used for everything. Well, that's the problem. 
So there's no this other there's no other teaching. It's just straight up taking these phrases and then saying, "Oh yes, you know, Jesus loves everybody." Well, yes, you know, if we were to take John three sixteen and say, "For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son," and we just took that part, yes. And I've heard a pastor say this, or I don't even know if you want to call him a pastor, but he specifically just focused on that first section of John three sixteen as his whole sermon explaining that for God so loved the world. He just took that and he went off on this whole thing about how love is love and God loves everybody, that God cares for everybody, that God did all this stuff. But we forget the rest of that verse. You know, there's there's more to that verse, is there not? I mean, if we were to sit there and just take that first part, right, you know, that makes sense. That's, that's it. Man, you know, God loved everyone it's amazing the second half says so that everyone who believes in him will not perish so now the question is what does perish mean i'm going to take a quick break and let you guys think about that Hey, warriors, welcome back. Were you thinking about that word, perish? See, the second part of that whole sentence is perish. The gospel message is about the idea of if we're unfaithful to, well, technically, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to hell. That is the problem. If you're going to hell, it's because you're a sinner. If you're a sinner, it means that you've objected. You objected to God. You stood against him you have decided not to follow him you're not being so-called faithful to who he is because you don't believe it's not it's not same concept but similar so you've chosen to not follow him you've chosen not to believe in his son you've chosen in that that concept well you take that first verse only you think that you know god loves everybody well yes he loves everybody enough that he gave his son to die on the cross so that you and i can be saved and that means you have to accept all of God's holiness, not pick which ones you like, because I, I want a God who's loving, not a God who, in the Old Testament, going back to the Old Testament again, we hear God punishes people. He's even had people killed. He's even had people punished for decades because of their sin. You know, we think about Joshua and the other spy who said, yes, we can go take this land. And the other 10 said, no, we can't. And so the whole group decided to follow the 10. So they didn't do it. And so what did God do? He had them go wander for 40 years. Joshua and the other spy were faithful to who God was. They believed in who he was. They believed that God would do what he had promised them, that he was going to give them this land. They believed. The other ten were unfaithful. They did not believe. They did not trust. They were more afraid of people than they were of God. And so God's punishment was 40 years. So here, if we go to Hosea 6. You know, Hosea is a fun prophet. If you want to read a prophet's book, Hosea is fun. 
We're going to skip all the way down to verse 6. So you can go back and read the other part if you want. You know, I'll start at 4 so that way it's kind of like the whole concept. It says, O Israel and Judah, what should I do with you, asked the Lord, for, you, for your love vanishes like the morning mist and disappears like dew in the sunlight. I sent my prophets to cut you to pieces, to slaughter you with my words, with judgments as inco- inconceivable as light. See, right there, does that sound like a loving God? Yes, it does. When you do something wrong, someone comes and tells you you're doing something wrong. Because they care about you, because they love you. You see what's missing in today's culture? We're not teaching that concept of God. God was mad at Israel and Judah that he is speaking like this to them. And he continues, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. Now, there is another verse I, uh, hold on, translation that I liked. It says, for I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice, which is an interesting phrase to think about. Okay. I want you to show love to me, God. I want you to show loyalty to me, God, not offer sacrifices. Now, you remember, this is before Jesus. So the idea that he was trying to get into their little little heads was they thought, well, we sacrifice to you, Lord. So therefore, you know, how we act shouldn't matter because we've done our duty. And in today's terms, well, I went to church on Sunday. I listened to the pastor. It was a great sermon, but I'm still going to act the way I act. Isn't that a bit more common that we've heard? Isn't that what we see a lot in churches? People acting, masquerading around on Sunday church, but when you actually have met them in, during the week, they don't act the same way? Is that a bit more common than we realize? Continues. <clears throat> I want you to know more than I want offerings, but like Adam... You broke my covenant and betrayed my trust. And you know that when you break someone's trust, you have also created unfaithfulness, correct? <clears throat> because if your kid, you do something that hurts your kid, there's a broken trust there. So that's part of this decision making. You know, and it goes on. It says Gilead is a city of sinners, tracked with footprints of blood. Priests form bands of robbers, waiting in ambush for their victims. They murder travelers along the road to Shechem and practice every kind of sin. Yes, I have seen something horrible in Ephraim and Israel. My people defiled by prostituting themselves with other gods. Uh, If you don't know that harlot and prostituting are the same concept, they are. So I want you to understand, and he says in verse 11, Oh, Judah, a harvest of punishment is also waiting for you, though I wanted to restore for, restore the fortunes of my people. Because Judah was actually a better kingdom than Israel. Um, I believe they were the, they, they fell after Israel did. And then if you know later on, at the end of the Old Testament, there's like about 400 years before God even speaks again to Israel. 400 years. Because of this type of action, because 
I go to church. I pay my quote, quote, offerings and my sacrifices. I give my tithe. I go to Sunday school class. I listen to the pastor, but I still live the life I want to live. Now we're being unfaithful. Men, we're being unfaithful when we think just by going to church, we are serving our God. This is why it goes back to 2 Timothy. This is where this kind of cones up today's Christian community. It's not in every church. I want to be clear. I don't want everybody to go, oh, it's not in my church. Well, you need to pay attention because just because you personally may not be doing some of this stuff does not mean the culture that's in your church is not doing this stuff. I think a lot of times, you know, we talked about in January stepping back. I think some of us need to stop just assuming that because all for the past 20 years, I've not noticed anything the past 10 years. I've not noticed anything like this. You need to take a step back because it may not necessarily be you. But it may be what's going on in your church. You need, you need to pay attention. I mean, unless you've had the same pastor for the past 10, 20 years and he has not changed at all in the sense of he's he's still preaching exactly the same way. There's no like little newer stuff that you've kind of been noticing. It's just the same concept. Even if there's newer stuff that they use, but the concept of preaching is still the same. The teaching is still the same. Pay attention to how other people respond and talk. Pay attention to how they act. And the question is, if you haven't noticed anything, that tells me maybe you haven't been hanging around with people outside of church as much as you think you do. I mean, there's a lot of pieces to think about in this, okay? But in, in if we go to 2 Timothy 4, in verse 3, it says, Therefore, a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell, <clears throat> tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. Now, myths in here doesn't necessarily mean mythology. Myths in here could be following false views, uh, worldviews, and chasing after them. And we see that very, very relevant in today. 2020 showed a lot of that. It showed a lot of people using scripture to fit an agenda or a situation or a view versus does scripture, what does the scripture actually mean? There's a difference. So they reject the actual truth because they rather chase after the myths or taking false view of scripture to fit the category or support where they want to support. Because if they could do that, then it shows Christians can be a part of this world and can make a difference and it could stand up for what is right. To me, there's a difference. And you can't use past the past history of people who fought for things to support ungodly views of today. It does not mean we don't help those in need. It doesn't mean we help those that are struggling. It doesn't mean we don't intervene when we should intervene. No, I would say plainly is this. We need to be David sometime 
is stand up against a Goliath because the Goliath is corrupting God's truth. You understand? David did not stand in front of Goliath because he was being racist towards Jews because he was uh, attacking Jews for what they believed. No, he stood up against Goliath because Goliath was attacking God and God's truth and in kind because he was attacking God he was also attacking God's people. See, David didn't see it the other way around. And that's what today we're doing a lot. We're taking a agenda that we, we feel needs to be supported. And then we make Christ, uh, the scripture fit that support. When it should be the other way around. We should defend against people who are being attacked race, racially who are being attacked because of their color of their skin. I literally standing in front, speaking against it. What we should not be doing is supporting a group because they say they are, but if you go and do research, they're not biblical. So we, you can't take biblicalness and throw it on top of it and say, oh, it will work. No, because that's what we do with a lot of things. There's things that were never created to be biblical or Christian, but we sprinkle Jesus on it and think it's, it makes it all better. No, it doesn't. It causes more problems. So you need to be careful of that. You know, verse five says, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. See, the goal should always be a reflection of the good news, the gospel message. It should also be a reflection of a clear mind. A clear mind means you got to know the truth. To know the truth clears your mind of the faults. You know, you want to see what a false teacher looks like? Know your truth. You know the truth, you can stand against a false teacher. You want to stay faithful to God? Know God's truth. You don't want to be unfaithful? Know God's truth. And then, not only know it, live by it. Do it. If you can't step away out of church on Sunday mornings and keep what you hear the pastor saying and change your life to reflect that change, then you are basically doing what Israel has done over and over again. I did my sacrifice. I did my tithe. I did my time at church. Now I get to live the life I want to live. Stop doing that. You should reflect God at church, at home, at work, in your community. Someone should not look at you and say, I had no clue you were a Christian. Your kids should be talking about Jesus, God. One of the things I am thankful about my mom was that every Saturday she would put on the Christian radio and we would listen to Adventures in the Odyssey, patched, I think, I forget what the other guy was, but he was, he like dealt with animals. And then like one of the newer ones is, um, I can never remember their names, 
uh, if you guys listen to like focus on the family or family life there there's like these little dramas that go on saturday mornings on the christian station ventures and odyssey downright was my favorite out of all of them there is several others that have been created over the years but ventures and odyssey was created in 1987 and is still going um sadly a lot of actors have died over the years you know mr whitaker is, is on his third actor um some of them you know characters are no longer a part of the storyline because the people actually died in real life so it's sad that way but the stories that they taught were good and they were sometimes unrealistic because well it's a drama for one and two you know it's fun to make unrealistic stories that can actually teach but regardless the idea is i was thankful for a mom who did that i was thankful for a mom who still even plays christian music <clears throat> even though i don't like some of the music but she still plays her music throughout you know on the radio i'm also thankful for parents who got me into science school who got me to enjoy join youth groups who they were they were concerned that i needed to be around the right type of people but also challenged me to walk the walk at home you see the key thing is guys stop being unfaithful if you want to be an you want to be faithful to god then start changing your life to reflect such change you need to make sure that you are not being just a Sunday Christian. If Pastor John Bob Smith, who's on the podium, is telling you that living with your girlfriend, not being married, is wrong, then you need to change something. You either need to go get married now and, and get right. Or you need to separate until you do get married. And I don't mean separate as not dating anymore, but separate like not living together. If Joe Blow is telling you that this sin is wrong and you're doing it, you need to start changing your choices. You have a problem with drinking? Don't hang out with people who like to drink all the time. You may have to say, I, I can't hang out with you guys anymore. No, oh, I've been friends for 10 years. I don't care. You want to be faithful to God. Sometimes you got to make changes that are going to be drastic and they aren't going to feel good and they may not be the type of situation you were hoping for. But I could tell you this, making these type of decisions, you'll get to see God in action. You get to see God intervene. You get to see God change you. You start doing things that you're just like, wow, this is so cool to see God move in my life. You need to understand that being faithful means change. And we talked about this in January as well. You can be on a diet, which a lot of us, I think, are on diets. You know, we have to get a little dose of church. You have to go on a Sunday. Oh, I haven't been in church for a few weeks. I need to get my dose of church. Or, you know, oh, I haven't done youth, you know, the youth group for a while. I need to get my dose of youth group. Or, you know, I do Sunday school class. I've done that. I need to get my dose. Like, you start treating your Christian walk as a dose system. You, you get you go in get your shot for the for the, for the day or two and then you go right back to being the way you were but hey you know next Sunday I'll, I'll refresh myself get my life right again with him in that day and then you go back and you're good for about a couple of days and you go right back to the way you've been like that's a cycle that you should not be having and there is even a question of whether you're a Christian or not and I'm not not by me but the idea is that your fruit should change you should change and you should desire to follow God 
So something in your life has to change. So it's either you're not truly saved or two, you got to change something in your life to get on track. You need to find guys who care about you that will pray with you, who love God just as much. Or even if they're struggling, you all work together to struggle together to walk upright. Maybe you need to find a bunch of crazy guys that don't know how to necessarily live correctly but want to and you all meet on Wednesday like Wednesday night, Wednesday morning before you all go to work pray together that's how you could start 15 minute prayer all of you meet at the church meet at each other's homes or something before you all go to work you just pray together, you pray blessing, you pray encouragement and then throughout the day we got these handy dandy things now called smartphones you all make a group group chat and you guys could talk to each other and say, how are you guys doing today? How, how's the day been going? Is there anything we could pray for you in that moment? This is called accountability. This is called building up. This is called making sure that you are walking the walk on a daily basis. You should be the same type of guy, whether you're at home, work, or community. It doesn't mean you need to be perfect. It doesn't mean you won't make mistakes. It means that you're willing to try to walk upright. You're supposed to be chasing after the things of God. You're supposed to be following him. You should be serving him. You should be loving on him. You should seek out him on a daily basis. And it's hard to do it alone. That's the key thing. Stop trying to do it alone. Because it's harder to do it alone. Understand this. If you want to be faithful to God, you need to change things in your life to show faithfulness to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. I ask that you bless it. I ask that you work men's hearts. I ask that you change men's hearts. I ask that you will move men to be faithful to you. I pray that we can remove this unfaithfulness issue in men, become men of valor who are courageous to walk in light of you on a daily basis. But they're not this check-in, check-out type of Christian man who shows valor and courageousness for God at church, but then Monday morning they go right back to being the way they are. And Lord, I know sometimes it's hard. I've been in every t different types of jobs enough to know it can be hard at work. And I pray that you help those men at, at jobs that have men that aren't encouraging them, that aren't walking upright with the Lord. Help them find somebody who is, because I can tell you this, sometimes even if you are walking upright, other men will see it. And they will start asking questions. So, Lord, I ask you to help these men to walk upright at their jobs. Help them to lead at their homes. Help them to be good examples in their community, their neighborhood. It all starts with them recognizing that they need to stop just being the tithe payer on Sundays and start living a life faithful to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, you guys have a blessed week. I will see you next time. I really hope this episode will be a good encouragement to you. And I'll, and I'll well, God bless, and I'll see you next time.